0: This is episode 32 with Carrie Levine. Hello, and welcome to the Love Yourself to Happiness Show, a podcast inspired by modern women like you. We are your hosts, Maya and Michaela. Each week, you'll get an infusion of tips, daily routines, tools, and rituals from our favorite experts that will inspire you to create the life of your dreams and make it a reality. All this information is free, so please subscribe to and review our podcast.
1: We also want to invite you to join our free private Facebook group called Energized Mama Tribe. We are also offering a free masterclass, 5 Steps to Get 10 or More Hours of Free Time in Your Week. Lastly, we're offering free breakthrough calls with us to help implement the tools we teach you in the class. Links to all of these free resources are in the show notes. So grab a cup of coffee or tea, sit back, and welcome to Love Yourself to Happiness.
0: Carrie Levine, CNM, is the founder of Whole Women Health. Carrie is a certified nurse midwife. She evaluates and treats most common women's health concerns from preventative care and nutritional lifestyle counseling to women's health gynecology services and annual physicals to ordering routine and specialized diagnostic tests and prescribing medications as appropriate. Carrie is known for her ability to listen to and relate to women. For more than 18 years, she has been working with her clients to identify personal health goals and then break those goals down into attainable steps. She looks for the underlying causes of illness, seeking to connect the dots of seemingly unrelated symptoms and emotions. By supporting women in setting and achieving their own health goals, Carrie helps her patients thrive emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Hello, beautiful. Today we have Carrie Levine with us. Welcome. Thank you. So can you tell us a little about your personal life, something that wasn't mentioned in your bio and your journey to becoming a midwife?
2: Hmm. I guess what's not in there that might be sort of unexpected is I came to midwifery by way of experiential education. Um, I had done outdoor trips with women. I had done them as a kid, and then I led them with women starting when I, well, I guess for summer jobs and then ultimately through college and then ultimately with Outward Bound and rock climbing and mountaineering and hiking and those kinds of things. And I always knew I wanted to work with women in health. I just wasn't sure in what capacity. I didn't know if I wanted to be a yoga teacher or a naturopath or what. And this was back in, you know, the early nineties. Um, and, met with a mentor Ruth Lockhart who started a feminist women's health clinic in Maine, um, Mabel Wadsworth women's health center. And she sort of talked me through what I might want my career to look like, decided on nursing school and got to nursing school and fell in with a group of women who were all going to be midwives. It was a direct entry program for people who already had a bachelor's degree and were going right directly for a master's degree. And, uh, my dear friend Kelly McBroom, who was a wild, wild woman, did a doula training course, which was a train. Doula's are trained to labor support people, and when I did that, and I was first in a birth room, I was like, "Oh, I totally know how to do this! Like, I totally know how to support women doing physically challenging things. I've been doing that since I was 15 years old." Um, so that was that was the real transference of skills from outdoor education and experiential education to what is now my career. Although I haven't attended a birth in 11 or 12 years now. So it's been a while since I've been in a birthing room. But that was sort of the segue was just sort of being with women, doing physically challenging things and supporting them through it. And that origin of that was actually outdoor education.
1: (laughs) Wow. That's a cool story. I love that. Thank you. Yeah fascinating so since this since this is the love yourself to happiness show we like to ask our guests to define happiness for yourself
2: oh my goodness well probably I would define it as stillness solitude and silence
0: that sounds lovely I agree.
2: <laughs> yes. I mean, it's not that I don't like people or noise or whatnot, but mm. it's easiest to access it.
0: Yes, yeah, so to connect still- yourself and, yeah. 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 Right. No distractions, For sure. right? For sure. Yeah. Happiness is within us, right? So tapping into that is huge. So- well,
2: it's also so much easier, right, when it's not complicated with other people, right? Yeah. Being like being in, being happy in the presence of other people is really, I think, a lot harder, right? It gets more complicated. Other people's needs, other people's wants, all of that. Emotions. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: (laughs) So, Carrie, can you describe to us your morning and evening routine?
2: Hmm. Well, it depends on the day of the week, for sure, because I'm in the clinic three days a week um, and home two days a week. And that's part of how I've tried to find balance between working and being a mom and being a person. Um, So definitely try to walk the talk of not working a bazillion hours a week and leaving time and space for exercise and taking care of home and being available for kids. So days that I'm in a clinic, I'm pretty much up at six, shower, make my daughter's lunch breakfast. And I'm usually, so I also have two practice locations. One is a home-based practice. So those days it's a little walk across the driveway and I can be there at 7.30 with my second cup of tea in hand and, you know, turn the lights on, turn the heat on, catch up on phone calls, emails, that sort of thing. Um, Days, one day a week I drive to South Portland. So that's pretty much up and out. I often will eat in the car So that I'm not rushing. I feel like I'm sitting anyway, so that's all fine. And that usually involves listening to a podcast and trying to sort of plug into something that's going to fuel me for the day. Mm. Days that I'm not working typically involve getting up pretty much at the same time, a few minutes later. Um, I try to journal the days that I don't go to work. So I try and hang out in bed for an extra 20 minutes and journal, get up be present for my family, have tea, make breakfast, make dinner. It's usually a little bit more involved on the days I'm not rushing off to the clinic. And then usually first order of business is some exercise. So typically yoga one day a week, typically a run, weather dependent one day a week. And then weekends are walking, skiing, hiking, whatever is going on mostly within the family.
0: Mm, That sounds beautiful. How old is your daughter?
2: She's 15, Fifteen. And I have a son who's seventeen, but he's at boarding school. Uh, he's actually an alpine ski racer.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So he left the nest much too young, but he (laughs) he's happy. So Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's what we want. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And what about Um, your evening routine? I'm sorry. (laughs) Evening routine.
2: Um, I mean, it's pretty straightforward, you know, wrap it up at work, walk across the driveway when there's enough daylight. Often we'll take the dog for a walk for anything from 20 minutes to an hour and a half, depending on the hours of daylight. Um, and catch the mail. I'm, I pretty much do a lot of cooking. So I usually dive into whatever needs to be there. And then after that, depending on homework and what other people have going on, meetings or whatnot. It's usually retiring to the living room, which we like to call the womb in our house because it's one of the only warm rooms in our (laughs) 1775 house. We can get it like 75 in there, and so we all cluster in there around the fireplace. And uh, it could be books. It could be internet. It could be watching one Netflix show depends
1: yeah awesome thank you and what are three self-care practices that you just can't live without Mm, I've kept a journal most
2: days since I was 13 years old so I've got boxes and boxes of them and keep considering burning them but haven't quite maybe when I turn 50 I'm not sure I used to think maybe I would write a biography and then I was like you know who cares really um (laughs) But it's a little hilarious, at least for me, to go back and pick up, you know, the one from when I was 13 on my first outdoor trip when I was like the girl from suburban Boston with the backpack with, you know, seven pairs of underwear and seven changes of clothes and, of course, couldn't even lift it off the ground. So, you know, those journals offer a little bit of perspective humor. (laughs) Um, So journal writing is one. I would say yoga
0: is the other.
2: And... Um, eating beautiful food is definitely foundational as well.
0: Mm. Very nice. Um, thank you. So what is one of your favorite books or book recommendation that you're reading right now? Um, preferably maybe in the midwife or, or something healing for women that you hmm. recommend.
2: I feel like those are different questions. So like mm.
0: one of my all time favorites or, or something I'm
2: reading now. You can do both. either. Both. Either. <laughs> um, So, would have to say, of course, one of the all-time favorites would be Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom by Christiane Northrup. You know, foundational, life-changing book for so many people. You know, really, just when I was a teenager and having my own challenges with hormone balance, you know, that was the book where it was like, okay, it's not an either-or scenario. It's not either ibuprofen or nothing it might be ibuprofen and less dairy and B complex and some other things and so for me that really blew the top off on on the sort of the polarization that I felt like existed around health paths and that of course hugely informs my practice now so that's an all-time favorite uh, probably another one of my all-time favorites is um a a book called The Places That Scare You by Pema Chodron, really anything by Pema Chodron, who's a um, Buddhist nun. And her books are really small and super jam-packed and incredibly wise. And we used to love The Places That Scare You, particularly when I was tending births, because typically during transition, when women are between seven and 10 centimeters, they're like, okay, well, that was fun, but I'm ready to go home now. Uh, I, I'm all done. I've had it. Or it's like, give me the pain medicine. I want the pain medicine, which I'm never adverse to. It just depended on the timing of the labor and would it be safe for the baby mm-hmm. or was the baby coming too soon? Um, and she just talks about, you know, and that, so that transition, that seven to 10 centimeters is the super, the most intense time of labor and typically goes the quickest and is the most uncomfortable on all levels, physical, mental, spiritual. And so the reflex is really to bolt, right, is to be like, thanks, I'm out of here. And uh, her book, Pema Children's book, The Place That Scare You, just talks about the importance of sitting in that discomfort and trying to not feel afraid and to sort of breathe through it and stick with it and stay with it. Um, so found that super helpful. And then she has another one called "When things fall Apart. And it's just, you know, when when it really feels like it couldn't be worse, when life couldn't be worse, um, she just has a way of embracing that and also flipping it over and finding the wisdom that's to be gleaned from being in that situation. Mm. So wow, awesome. those are that's three. That's a long answer to your
1: question. And no, that's phenomenal. Yeah, that really good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Which area do you find women struggle with the most, and what is your best advice for them?
2: Mm. Um, for women who have children. Or even women who don't have children, what I see them struggle with the most is giving themselves a break or letting themselves off the hook or however you want to, whatever language you want to use to describe that. Um, We are so hard on ourselves and we really, we're so programmed to caretake and we're so programmed to people please And we're so programmed to really put ourselves second in line. And the only strategy that I've ever found, and I, of course, have struggled with that as well, um, and the only strategy that I have ever found for myself that works, that I share with my clients with whom we're having this conversation, is So my daughter, like I already said, is 15. And I think, okay, so if Isabel called me and just said to me what I just said to myself or a friend or whatever, how would I advise her? And that's what I need to do for myself. So it's only when I can flip the situation over and imagine myself as the mom that I know how to respond. And so that's also sort of part and parcel with being a midlife woman and the developmental task becoming mothering ourselves and really not looking to anybody else, not boyfriend, girlfriend, employer, whoever to take care of ourselves, but really looking to ourselves. You know, so if I'm like, oh, I'm so tired, I really don't wanna work out. You know, if my daughter said, Mama, I'm so tired, I really don't want to work out, I would say to her, why don't you just take it easy then? Like, go take a walk. Go move your body. Like, do it in a way that makes you feel happy. And so I try and flip that. It's like a little Brene Brene Brownish. Like, you flip it over.
0: That is huge. Um, That is such a huge shift. (laughs) Yeah. And that's essentially... And it's so
1: simple. But yeah. it's profound. Wow. It's That's the good. only like
0: way it. I've ever been able to like myself to So Carrie, that is so beautiful. So just kind of going inward and asking yourself what would you tell your child pretty much if they were in any tough situation, right? Girlfriend. Yeah. 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 Yep. Just tuning in. And um another thing I wanted to mention is um, you know, when I was pregnant, I decided to take things like into my own hands and I, you know, I'm pretty intuitive and I know that there's so much information out there. And I decided to teach myself like hypnobirthing, you know, and like anybody that I told, you know, besides a few close of my close friends that I've um, acquired along this wellness journey, nobody like understood. They're like, ah, just get the epidural, just do this. And it's like, everyone just thinks like, that there's only that way of like giving birth and stuff. And I was just like, no, like I've always done things differently in my own way. And, um, I just know that there is a holistic way and there's a certain thing I'm supposed to get from this and not just, okay, go to the hospital, have the baby, you know? And so I you know, I did a birth plan. I told my doctor, I'm like, I don't want an epidural. So like when I did come to it and I was like, sure, give it to me. They, they knew like they were not going to give it to me, you know? And like, how important do you think it is for women who are pregnant or, you know, are looking to get pregnant to educate themselves on the options that there are, you know, that there are options, you know, I had these headphones and I was just listening to, like soothing voices and, and, and all that. And and that got me through. And I was like from that inner drive to have a peaceful um, birth that I don't think I would have got through listening to anybody else unless I hired somebody like you, which, um, which I, you know, I decided to do it on my own, but how important it is to, to educate yourself on the options. Well, it's everything, right? Yeah. I mean, it's our bodies after all.
2: Right. And we're the ones who are going to be doing the work. And that whether it's labor or it's whatever it is, whatever the health issue or challenge is, it's ultimately our responsibility. And somehow our healthcare system has sort of misled us into thinking that someone else can actually take responsibility for that. But right. under no circumstances right. really, can that happen? And when that does happen, when we give that power over to someone else, that's really the beginning of the problem.
0: Yeah. 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 I absolutely, absolutely, because I find that what I learned through that process was I taught myself how to go through challenging times, you know, like what was I telling myself? And if I was to give that power to somebody else in that time, you know, when you're creating and when you're giving birth, it's, it's, you know, it could shift your whole life perspective. Like you have to depend on somebody to, you know, to give you, you know, um, to give you relief, you know, when in reality, like you said, all we have to do is tune in and ask ourselves, like, what, what, what is the other option?
2: Good to have consultants on board for sure. Always like-minded consultants who, you know, are there to safeguard and protect your goals, but they have to be they have to be protecting your goals not yeah. their own goals right. or the medical institution's goals or whatever like they have to be your partner right yeah it's, it's going to work
0: it's so intimate right. and i think um you know maybe like interviewing doulas or midwives right before the process begins um on your goals and making sure you guys are in alignment is huge yeah yeah
1: absolutely Thank you. <laughs>
0: um,
1: what is your favorite success story with a with a patient?
2: Jeez. That's hard, right? Hard to Aww. define it. I mean, I would say that. One of the incredible things about practicing functional medicine—practicing functional medicine, which is what I've done for the last eleven years—it always amazes me to walk into an exam room and have a woman say, "I feel better." You know, for the droves of women who come, you know, from all over the world, who've been to Johns Hopkins and they've been to Mayo and they've been to Dana Farber, and nobody can help them. And all of their labs, their conventional lab testing is normal. And, but whatever, they still, whatever the issue is, they're still so fatigued, or they're, you know, they still have severe gut symptoms, or they still have a menopause that's knocking their socks off. Like, whatever the issue is, to walk into an exam room and have a woman look at you and say, I feel better, is pretty gratifying. Um, particularly given how many times she may have been around the block and how many practitioners she tried to um, work with or saw or whatever, you know. And, and along those lines, you know, it's amazing to me how many um, women will, you know, stand up from an initial visit and say, I already feel better because I feel like you listened to me, you know, that right there is enough, you know, in so many ways,
0: you know, Mm -hmm. like she feels
2: like somebody listened to her. Somebody heard her, somebody cared enough to take longer than seven minutes to hear the story and hear her journey and look at all of the different angles and all of the Mm -hmm. contributing factors. And that feels successful to me every time, anytime a woman says, I feel like you're listening to me that feels like success. And And whether or not she quote unquote gets better physically is almost secondary. Because I think that feeling of being listened to is the first step in healing, in her healing herself. Like how I feel matters. I'm not making it up. It's, Mm -hmm. there's help, there's hope, those kinds of things.
0: Yeah. And as well, like you as an expert asking the right question are probably so important as well, you know, to be able to guide them through this journey. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I just want to, did you, Carrie, and Maya work together when Maya was pregnant? No. No, No, okay. (laughs) So, Carrie, what, um, what was the best decision of your life up until this point?
2: Well, that's a tough one. The best decision of my life. Well, there's probably more than one, but I guess I would have to say leaving full scope midwifery, um, which I practiced for seven and a half years in my community and commuting to Yarmouth to work at Women to Women where I learned functional medicine ranks. You know it ranks up there for sure because when i got there i finally found the language to talk about health that i always carried inside but didn't have the words for yeah
1: yeah that's amazing um can you tell us about your most challenging time in your life and how you overcame it
2: hmm I would say that having my first child the first two years after that was probably the most challenging time of my life. Um, I was working full-time as a full-scope midwife, and so I had a baby who wanted to breastfeed every two hours, who didn't like a bottle, and I was on call and tending births at the same time. Wow. Um, and sleep deprivation totally kicked my butt, um, and was really kind of serious in terms of its effect on my personality and how I treated my husband and myself. and um, it was it was rugged. Um, how did I? how did I, what was the question? How did I, how did you you
1: overcome it? it?
2: How did I overcome it? Well, time passes, right. And ultimately the kids eat food, thank goodness. And (laughs) they sleep through the night eventually (laughs) 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 like the circumstances change, but also, um, you know, I would say that it's super humbling and your kids teach you I would say what you need to know and I just started to try and get honest with myself about what I could do and what I couldn't do you know so it was a matter of um working less you know taking less call and working less so that there was more time for balance and uh rest and restoration, Um, and just learning that about myself, learning that I cannot not sleep and be a reasonable human being. Um, So just learning that about myself and then getting honest with myself about it and then having a partner who was willing to renegotiate, you know, the terms of who worked and who stayed home and who took care of the kids and who did the dishes and who did the laundry and all that stuff. Mm.
0: Yeah. I mean, sleep def- deprivation is like is real. <laughs> it's real. I mean, is there any tips so that you have? I mean, it's just something that that does happen. Do you think your body actually like knows that that's what's going to happen, and it kind of compensates in some way, or are there any tools that we need to do? Um, you know, maybe like sleep when you can, or or w- what are some tips that you would give? You mean moms, as a new moms? mom? Yeah, that moms that yeah. don't get enough sleep
2: so the the thing that was the most helpful for me was a book that our lactation consultant gave out called breastfeeding for working mothers and i don't know if it's still out there or not but it pretty much said when you are not at work your goal is to feed your baby and sleep and i really took that to heart and i literally think it was two years before i had a saturday It was longer than that. Like, I had to be... It was two years off-call, so it was well after the birth of my second kid, my daughter, where I finally... where It was a weekend, and my day was not structured around taking a nap. Like, Mm. that was... For (sighs) at least four years, my days that I wasn't at work were structured around napping. Yeah. And that, I think, really that was my lifeline and also probably why I could breastfeed as long as I could despite the lack of sleep that I was experiencing yeah. so that's my that's my wisdom to pass along is when you're not at work your priority is feeding your baby and sleeping and everything else comes long
0: after that. The dishes just will the- get done at some point, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Use the paper plates for a while.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like
0: social obligations,
1: forget
2: it. Yeah. Um, right. Just
1: Well, yeah. I think it's so powerful to give women permission to do that because yeah. I think we are in such a busy Society where it's just like busy busy busy, and I have to say yes to everything 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 and it doesn't give moms an opportunity to heal and bond with their babies and do what their bodies are supposed to do because We have all these other Obligations, you know,
2: and I you know, I think about it now and when my son was born It was the year 2000 and email was like just starting and I remember as I practice listening to women talk about getting on their email, and I was like, "How do you do that?" Like I never had two hands. Like I can't. I always had my kid in arms. I mean, always other either that or like in the front pack or once big enough in the backpack, whether I was cooking dinner or vacuuming or mm. Whatever. Like, I don't even, I cannot even imagine now, 17 years later, trying to keep up with um, having a newborn baby with the, you know, social media being what it is. I just cannot even imagine. Cannot imagine.
0: Also, it's so important. Like, I'm sure there's a huge difference in the way the child is raised if you are so present to yourself and napping and connecting with them rather than you know the social media and stuff like that you know I'm sure there's such a huge difference in their personality the way they view life you know I mean they pick up everything from us
2: yeah
0: for sure you know yeah I think we're getting
2: a different generation of kids now for sure Yeah,
0: Yeah. yeah yeah and I think our job is to show them the other side as much as we can. I mean, it's hard, you know, we are all connected and, and look at us here, you know, and right. exactly. and thank God, you know, we're able to do this from home. Like there's such a beautiful part of it as well, you know, and uh, so just seeing the positive of it and, and making it work is huge. For sure.
2: Yeah. yeah. But I, de- I definitely think it has to be tempered with time outside, And that was, I mean, I would say, like, when you asked, you know, sort of, like, how did you get by that really hard time? And one of the primary things for me was going outside, you know, which is how my kid ended up a ski racer, you know, was was just, like, our sanity when he was little was to throw him in the backpack and go for a ski. Like, that was how we held on to our own selves a tiny little bit, and... Look what happened with that.
0: Wow. Powerful. <laughs> <laughs> you created it, right? <laughs> That's incredible. Awesome. So, well, Thank you for Carrie, sharing that. Can you, um, you know, to conclude our show today, can you share with us three things that you're most recently grateful for?
1: Mm.
2: I'm always super grateful anytime my family is together Um, with my son being away at school. The moments where the four of us are gathered are hands down the most precious for me. Um, So that was Sunday up at Sugarloaf after my daughter was training and my son was racing. We were able to gather a meal. So I'm super grateful for that time. Um, Super grateful for my dog. I never really sort of understood the dog thing, but my daughter insisted when my son left for school. She said, if he gets to go to school, I get a dog, um, despite what we thought was a good idea. And the dog is really like, if you want to do anything to raise the vibration of love in your house, it's, oh, it's, it's outstanding. It's a dog it's really, it's pretty unbelievable. Like she is Aww. just love manifested. That's all she is. And it's the most healing grounding yes. thing. You know, if anybody's yelling, she'll go hide on the stairs. And so you can't, you can't, you can't get away with it. Cause mm. she's sort of like, uh, she's the justice. If Annie's on the back step, then you're being too loud, which is a super beautiful thing. Wow. So, uh, So the dog, and then I'm super grateful that my family is healthy, Um, knock on wood. Like my kids are able-bodied and able-minded, and I am so grateful for that. And my husband, too, he had an injury a couple years ago that compromised his vision. And, you know, I'm pretty grateful that, you know we can all do what we're here to do unimpeded for now. So yeah. that, I am grateful for that.
0: And we're grateful thank you for so you, much. Carrie. Thank you so Aww. much for doing the work that you do and, uh, you know, loving women and, and sharing your wisdom. So And
2: you as well. Thank you, thank you so much.
0: Bye. Thank you for listening to the Love Yourself to Happiness show. If you like what you heard and you're interested to see if you're fit to work with us, here's what to do next. Head over to mayaandmikaila.com forward slash apply and book an appointment to speak with our team. We will get on a call for about 45 minutes and we will work with you to craft a step by step game plan to win back 10 hours of free time in your week so you could reconnect and spend more quality time with your loved ones. And we will get you clarity on three things. Number one, we will help you see what mindset shifts need to be made in your life. Number two, you will learn how to create a schedule so that you can flow through motherhood with ease. And number three, you will get in touch with the things that bring you joy so you know what to do with this free time.
1: Whatever your biggest challenges are, we've seen it and we know how to overcome it. Don't do it alone. You need expert guidance to make it happen. We have helped moms get more free time in their week to focus on themselves without sacrificing family time. To see if we can help you do the same, go to mayaannmicaela.com forward slash apply. We look forward to talking to you soon.